Welcome to the Nomad Podcast. I'm your host, Nomad, and with us today is Chris from Chris and Esther Megalithic Wonders. They have an amazing YouTube channel. I highly recommend it. They go around the world visiting ancient megalithic structures, and they do a really good job at documenting it and making you feel like you're there. And it's been an uh, absolute joy to be able to sort of feel like I'm experiencing through you. So thank you so much, Chris, for sharing your travels with us. What are some of the things that you guys have been up to lately? Um, good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, well, recently, uh, we came back just two weeks ago from a long trip to Indonesia and other Southeast Asian countries. Uh, I've done an expedition in central Sulawesi. You can see it on my shirt here. Uh, nice. They call it the land of thousand megaliths. Um, we'll be soon dropping some interesting videos about that. It's a, it's a huge area where you can find like, uh, a lot of megalithic statues, um, menhirs, dolmens, and some big stone jars. Um, a lot of mystery around it because no one knows how old they are, which culture made them, how they made it, where did they get the stone from. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Similar I'm questions to, to Egypt, actually. <laughs> Yeah, I'm super excited to see uh, what you guys are putting out around that. Um, Egypt is kind of, I think, where we'll focus a lot of our talks today. And it is one of the more uh, studied, you know, topics as far as megalithic structures goes. So I'm super excited that we can have this conversation, kind of dive into that. And then maybe next time we can go into some of these newer, not so explored areas. So that will be super cool. Um, one of the things that has stood out to me from our previous chats and just seeing your content is the temple of Hathor. Uh, can you just give me briefly sort of your experience in the temple of Hathor and what are some of the things that stood out to you? Sure. Um, actually the temple of Hathor is also one of my, the favorite, one of the favorite places I ever visited. I mean, in Egypt, basically, you, you have the pyramids of Egypt. Uh, in Egypt, we have like almost 120 pyramids. And then you have the temples, of course. And each temple, you can say, it seems like they build it, um, let's say, like under a different theme, you can always or almost say. Like each temple is devoted to a different god or different goddess. And the entire style of each temple changes. And the temple of Hathor, um, when I first got there, I was really like, I was stunned. Like I came into this uh, great hall, uh, what we can see also in your beautiful background picture here. And I immediately had to cry. I immediately had to cry. It really like, it hit me like the beauty of this place. It was so unbelievable. Like really it's uh, an unbelievable feeling. I got in there and the architecture, it did something to me. It really touched me like something that I have never experienced before in my life. I mean, seeing the great pyramids for the first time was also very emotional for me, but this was something different. Um, uh, some people say that it has like 
that Hathor is like the cosmic mother. So it has kind of like a loving, embracing energy. Like it feels so peaceful and um, it's hard to describe, but it was really emotional for me. That is actually what you're showing there. That is the the other side of the Hathor temple. Um, there is There are like, I think, 11 underground chambers. And these underground chambers have a little bit like... For me, it had a little bit dark energy. Um, if you play that, you can see this uh, famous Dendera light bulb in this video. So for me, I had the impression that on the ground level or above the ground level, you have this beautiful healing kind of energy. And in the underground chambers, to me, it had a little bit dark energy. Uh, almost like frightening, which is also a big mystery how they did all that without electricity, without proper lighting. Um, you can see this famous Dendera light bulb in this video. Um, according to Egyptology and most people, this is uh, the story of creation of Chem, of ancient Egypt. This is what we see as light bulbs. People say that these are the lotus flower and it's... I'm not really an expert on, on hieroglyphs and on the uh, ancient Egyptian history. But as you can see, you have also this dark creature there that looks almost like a, like a reptilian of some sort, which is holding what looks like two knives. So this looked a li little bit creepy to me, actually. Um, it looks almost like this reptilian is kind of like the head of this operation, like guiding the people or telling the people what to do or ordering them. Seems like I'm not sure what exactly this is depicting. Then you have this under the light bulb, you have this, the pil pillar of jet. Uh, some people say it looks like a, electrical device like a tesla tower some people call it a tesla tower right. or some kind of electrical insulator or something but of course people who study the hieroglyphs and they say it has a completely different meaning so you know for me it's always i don't like to get too deep into what this really means i kind of try to use my eyes and my heart and my intuition and i describe what i see and what i feel in my videos you know totally. i'm not an egyptologist i don't want to be an egyptologist um i'm just trying to 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 share what what i see and what i feel in these places you know totally and that's so, what i love about your guys's content is it's very much just you guys exploring you know it's no because when people have like you know, certain doctrine that they've been taught and things, right? They have agendas kind of that they're, even if it's intentional or not, like they have certain biases that come through, right? Um, but yeah, that's what I love about your guys' stuff is it's just you guys exploring, doing experiments. Uh, and so we're talking about Temple of Hathor and I believe you guys called it even like a healing center, right? And it sounds like you maybe had some experiences. So it seems like when you go into it, 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 it maybe looks a little bit creepier, little bit darker but can you explain some of the 
healing aspects and personal experiences that you had when you were there? Yeah, actually, the I mean, we know that the ancient Egyptians, it seems like they really used it as a healing center in terms of a spiritual healing center, but also in terms of a physical healing center, like a, like a modern day hospital where they performed surgeries and stuff. So when you go in the upper levels, uh, you can see like uh, carvings on the wall where you can see scenes of people laying down in some kind of bed and somebody is like over them performing a surgery or something. So it was really like also some kind of hospital uh, in the modern sense. But I believe that this place has a very strong healing energy. I had actually a very strange, um, yeah, something really strange happened to me there. So first I got there, I got really like struck by the beauty and I visited many ancient places. And of course, there is always strong emotions uh, in this kind of places. But this one was different. I immediately had to cry. I sat down there. I felt like, yeah, like, like a very safe, like an embracing, loving energy of this place. And I spent like, um, I think I arrived there in the early morning, maybe around 7, 7 a.m. I was there. And I spent there until maybe 11, 12. I explored the whole temple. I went also in this underground chamber that we just saw. Um, also, they have some kind of they have what seems like meditation chambers. They have like in the wall, there are like boxes carved into the wall. You have to go up with a, with a wooden ladder. And you can sit there and meditate. And I did that and it felt super good. And then... After that, I drove with my car, I drove back to Luxor, where I had my hotel, which is like, I think, a two or three hour drive. I don't remember exactly. And when I arrived to the hotel, I got like a very strong headache. Actually, the headache was building up already during this two, three hour drive. I felt like a headache is building up, which is, um, I'm kind of used to that because, um, Sometimes I really get physical sensations from this kind of ancient places. I call it sometimes a temple hangover. But this one was completely different. Like the headache got really, really strong. And, and then I, for some reason, I felt like I need to, um, I need to embrace it, you know? So something told me I should uh, sit down and close my eyes and meditate and the headache it really it got like almost like when you have a heavy fever when you get these mild uh, hallucinations and I closed my eyes and I saw like yeah I had like mild visions of I saw ancient Egyptians I saw scenes from my past and there was always this thought coming into my mind that, that I'm canceling all contracts that I made with the, let's say, with the evil side in my past life. And it got so strong that um, I felt like I have to speak it out. So I was alone in my hotel room and I was sitting there and I was saying like 
I'm canceling all the contracts. I'm getting out of it. I'm, I'm leaving you. Yes, something like that. And this is not something that I do all the time. You know, I'm, I mean, I would consider myself as a spiritual person, but I'm not really, um, I don't really have time for meditation. Uh, it's not really something that I actively do a lot. But that day I felt like I have to follow this strong feeling. And, um, yeah, I, I was sitting there in the room, strong headache. I was sweating, almost like if I took some kind of psychedelic or something. And it was all about my thoughts were all around, like, I'm canceling contracts. I'm getting out of the contracts with the evil, which I before haven't even realized that I was into contracts with the evil. So things came to my mind like, for example, as a young boy in the church, you know, I mean, when you go to church, it's also all rituals, you know, these are all rituals and rituals. I see them since that they are almost like contracts, you know, like when you perform certain rituals, you're making contract with something in the spirit world. And what church was this? You or when ask? you do... Uh, that was Catholic. Okay, right. Church. So they're very Catholic ritualistic church. in a lot of their methodology, right? There's a lot of the the rosary yeah. beads and going to con confession and things like this, right? Yeah, and they drink the wine and they say this is the blood of Christ right. and they drink the wine and I mean, as a child, my my parents they sent me to this uh, communion. We're not a very religious family, but. Um, it's, it, it was just normal at that time to go through this process. They sent you to church for a few years. And then at age of, I think, 14, you have this communion. And as a young boy, I never really, I never really got deep into it spiritually. I, I went there because I had to. Uh, I participated, but it was never really, I was never a religious person before during my young when i was a boy or when i was a teenager but suddenly after this visit in the hathor temple these thoughts came to my mind like all rituals that that i performed um, consciously and also unconsciously you know like um that i'm canceling them i almost like apologized to the spirit world or to myself for doing things that maybe I shouldn't have done. I, I don't want to bash the Catholic Church now or something, but I mean also other things. For example, doing bad stuff, you know, like uh, wasting your time doing drugs or partying all night for many years, you know, all these things. It I, couldn't, I, I got suddenly like healed from these things, you know, and I realized wow. like the things I've, I might have done wrong in my past, you know. And I can really say that, that, I mean, of course, now in my adult life, I'm going through life much more conscious. But I can say since that day, I'm much more conscious about these things, you know, like careful with rituals, careful with um, doing things that maybe the great creator doesn't want you to do. Let's Let's put it that way, you know? Yeah. And... And since then, you know, I had a, when I was like, let's say between 16 and 25, I was living a wild life, you know, like a lot of party, you know, chasing women, 
drinking and and since then i think a lot about this that maybe i kind of like wasted my time like for some reason the hathor temple made me sensitive to this topic and um yeah it's it, it really healed me in certain aspects i would say that is an extremely cool story thank you for sharing um what do you think it sounds like you still think there is like a, a creator or uh, would like a, a God, right? Um, would you say you still believe that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, absolutely. cool. And yeah. so um, do you think that perhaps like throughout your life when you were sort of put in situations where the, there were these rituals and stuff going on, it seemed like you didn't even necessarily want to be there, right? And so... To me, that's not really like connecting to source, right? It's like people put these rituals together and they're now having you go through the rituals, but you're not necessarily just like connecting with source and, and seeing what source would have you do, right? It's like man telling you kind of to do this or that. Now, would you say that that has been sort of the differentiator for you like as you move along in your life now is like instead of okay there's these rituals here and there that people have put together it's more about going within and finding that like source that's within you to guide you is that kind of where you've landed absolutely absolutely i believe like all answers are inside of you you know right and one other thing one other effect that the hathor temple had to me um but that was also a process already before, but since that day even more. You know, before I really liked rap music, rock music, like all this um, kind of like aggressive music, you know. And since that day, I, I, I cannot listen to it anymore. <laughs> you know, everything that's promoting bad stuff, you know. And, you know, rap music, they're promoting a lot of evil stuff, you yeah. know, like... Uh, Sex, totally. drugs, violence, you know. I cannot listen to these things anymore. It's not possible. I feel like that's the evil side. I'm on the other side now, you know. Wow. And you yeah. pretty much attribute this all to just simply being at the Temple of Hathor or like going in it and experiencing it. Like that was almost like a, a shamanic journey for you in a way. No, not 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 all. I mean, like I'm... I'm on a spiritual journey for many years now and every step is part of the of right. a greater step you know so that was just one yeah. that was just one step that had to come my way you know I believe like you know a few years ago I I um kind of decided to um to change my life a little bit you know to take things a little bit more easier and to just go with the flow, you know, like uh, whatever happens has to happen. Everything is meant to be, you know. And that was just one step, one important step that I had to go through. Um, but I wouldn't attribute it only to that visit to the Hathor Temple. But so, it was definitely a very profound experience. Yeah, it sounds like it was like a, a vivid experience for you. And, you know, you, you like I think you compared it even almost to like a psychedelic trip, right? Just like the Absolutely. things you were seeing and experiencing, not necessarily things that you would have normally been thinking or seeing. Right. So that's that's Absolutely. awesome. And I think that that do you would you attribute that to 
do you think there are like certain spirits that were sort of guiding you or do you think it was just like a a reaction with how the temple was set up and the acoustics and things like that that's really hard to say i ask myself that many times i i think i think both is the case i think definitely there is you know i mean i guess you also know that the dimension that we are here now the physical dimension is not all you know there is there are other dimensions around us all the time and of course there are spirits around us all the time and of course these special ancient places i guess you there are more spirits or stronger spirits around or you feel it stronger for some reason but i also believe that on the physical plane there is also an effect because you know these kind of stones i mean first of all the architecture itself it kind of talks to you it talks to you it talks to your soul somehow but also physically i believe that especially stones uh, stones can save information somehow you know crystal stones vibrations then we go to a different topic but i think right. on the physical level it also does something to you on the spiritual and the physical level definitely yeah i think that like architecture and sound and shapes these are all methods of creating perhaps an environment where certain spirits are able to thrive uh, or communicate throughout that dimension that's kind of what it seems like it seems like these megalithic structures were put in certain locations on the earth that align uh, with certain you know ley lines or whatever the grid that you subscribe to is and uh, so you have that aspect and then the materials were very specific that they were using for a lot of these structures right like they would at least the story goes they would bring in like quartz and granite from far off distances and and use those stones instead of using what was readily available um, so it does seem like there was some intentionality behind that. And perhaps that is what attributes these sort of supernatural experiences that people are having, right? As you even said the temple hangover, is that what you call it? Uh, yeah, like, I call it temple hangover. Right. So your body is clearly experiencing something that it's like you have lasting effects even after you, you leave. So very Absolutely. cool. Um, so temple hangover, it's like... The most common effects for me is, I mean, of course, you don't have it always and at every place, but the most common effect is headache. And sometimes also directly after visiting these, these places, especially in Egypt, you know, mostly I try to go to these places like in the early morning to be to have it all for myself. And then sometimes after that, I feel tired. I take a nap. Or the, the night after, I get like strong, unusual, wild dreams. You know, normally I don't dream much. But I noticed that after going to many of these ancient places, to these temples, pyramids or whatsoever, I get like very strong dreams. Like almost like it's still doing something to me, you know, or my brain is kind of processing it. I don't really have an explanation for it, but there is definitely some kind of effect. Right. Now, as we're talking about the different structures and materials that were used, can you go into some of the stories of of you guys exploring these sites and uh, 
some of the things that you've done. So like, I think one of the ones you mentioned was chanting inside the great pyramid in the King's chamber. Yeah. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? And I have a video I'll yeah, just play sure. in the background here while you're chatting. Yeah, you can play that. Um, yeah, as you already mentioned earlier, like um, many of these very old structures, by very old, I mean, for example, the Great Pyramid, which uh, is definitely much older than, for example, the Hapford Temple, or at least what we know as the Hapford Temple. There are also theories that under the Hapford Temple, there is also older structures. Um, so, for example, if we look at the King's Chamber, the King's Chamber is completely made out of uh, Aswan granite, which they brought from almost 900 kilometers away, which is a huge, huge uh, achievement. In fact, we don't really know how they did it. And I believe that the reason why they use granite in this, I mean, you find this all the time in Egypt, like important places, uh, the boxes, what we call sarcophagus, uh, it's all made from Aswan granite. And I believe they did that because of the certain technical properties of the, of the granite. The Aswan granite, it contains uh, around 80 to 85% of quartz, like crystal quartz. And quartz has very special characteristics. You know, quartz can uh, create energy, uh, electricity, um, which is called the piezoelectric effect. Uh, for example, when you have one of these click lighters that make a spark when you when you click them, um, there is no battery inside or something, as you might think. There is a quartz crystal inside. And this quartz crystal, basically, when you click the lighter, you're cocking a small metal hammer, and the hammer hits the quartz crystal, and then it's when the, when the spark comes. So that's the piezoelectric effect. So basically, when you have a quartz, and you put mechanical force on it, or you make it vibrate, uh, it will produce electricity. Um, you can also reverse that effect. So if you have the quartz and you, you connect these cables that make the spark, when you connect electricity there, the quartz will vibrate. It will, it will vibrate at a certain frequency. Right. Um, that is, for example, the, uh, the reason why we use quartz crystals in watches. Because with the quartz watches, they have a small battery and the battery gives electricity to the quartz crystal and then the crystal will, will vibrate at a known frequency. And that's how they can make the watch work because it vibrates always at the same frequency. Um, then you have, for example, maybe you heard about the crystal radio. It's very interesting. A crystal radio, um, you can buy it on Amazon. It's like a kit, a do-it-yourself kit. It's basically a radio that with the help of a quartz crystal, it can receive radio signal without electricity. It works without a battery. It works without, you don't need to plug it in somewhere. It's only powered by the radio wave signal that it receives by the vibration and you can actually listen to the radio without electricity with this crystal radio um, so we can 
we can say it can quartz can create electricity it can vibrate it can be used for communication and i think bottom line uh, that is the reason why they use quartz uh, for example in the king's chamber now when you go inside the king's chamber um first of all your voice feels different like but i'm not talking like when you go into a church or in a bathroom that you have an echo there is something else to it like it's it's hard to describe let me now, actually do you mind if i just real quick play the part where i believe is this esther who's singing in this video yeah that's my wife yeah yeah so let's play this real quick because i think it helps give sure. a an idea of kind of what you're talking about in regards to the sound. Let me know if you can't hear it, but I think you should be good. It is an absolute stunning experience. It seems like this mysterious room is made to resonate with sound and vibrations. When you use your voice and hit the right tone, the entire chamber will start vibrating. This effect only works when there is one, two, or maximum three people in the room. Yeah, so that's super cool. I mean, you can hear it. Uh, you could hear it that time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, yeah, it that sounds was... like full on like surround sound. It sounds like there's almost like uh, like a hundred people in there singing or something. It's just crazy. And uh, did she say that it sounded like or it felt like it was vibrating even like the room? Yeah. 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 Wow. The, the room, crazy. the room really feels like it's vibrating. Like, and when you go inside this box, I was there the first time with our friend uh, Borai Avian, and he taught us how to use our voice in this room. Now, this only works when you are, as my wife mentioned before, it only works when you are with two, maximum three people inside the room. And so I lay down in the box and you have to hit the right tone. For men, it is much easier because you have to go really low with, with your tone. Like you have to go really like as, as low as you can. Like it comes almost like from, from here. And it really feels like the walls are shaking. It feels like almost like there is an earthquake happening around you. Like, and not only that, it, it has like almost a psychedelic effect. Like, um, it, it, it feels like reality is crumbling apart. Like if you're about to leave your body, I mean, you're not mm -hmm. leaving your body, but you're about to leave your body. Right. And, and we achieved that the first time we went in in there you know so i always say like imagine these people these ancient people who probably trained all their life for this you know like we know that there were like uh, very intense and long initiation rituals uh, right. by the priests to to go in there so imagine when you train all your life for this i'm i'm convinced that you can achieve things that um, are almost unimaginable for us so it's almost really like a like a psychedelic you can say like it's and it's very emotional like uh, i've seen many people they go in there when they do the chanting they start crying they start hugging each other like um it's it's 
I still don't know fully what to think about this, like what exactly this is. Um, but it's super intense. It's super intense. And actually that, that uh, day uh, when we were inside there, when my wife was chanting, we were alone inside this room, uh, three of us, my wife, me and uh, our friend. And first we were like for 20, 30 minutes uh, experimenting with our voice. We took turns laying down in the box. And then we just sat down in the room. We sit on the floor and we meditate. As I mentioned before, I'm not really professional with meditation. But that day I really got like into a deep meditation. Like I really forgot what's around me. I was really deep inside a trance state, I would say. And um, we were very early that day. That's why we were alone inside the King's Chamber. And after 20, 30 minutes, tourists start coming in. And, you know, normally, like in every tourist site in the world, uh, once there are many people, it's not a very calm spiritual energy there anymore. You know, people are talking, people have their smartphones, some people right. even spit on the floor, you know, like you have a little bit chaos always when there is many tourists in one small place. So we're sitting there on the floor, tourists start coming in, the king's chamber starts filling up with, with tourists from all over the world. And suddenly I open my eyes and I kind of like got back to my senses because I was in this deep trance meditation state. And I see people from all over the world, Indians, Russians, Arabs, Europeans, whatever, they're all sitting on the floor like they saw us. We were chanting also while meditating. We were like humming to make the walls vibrate. And people all sat down. They were completely quiet. And everybody was like meditating or praying to their gods or whatever. It was unbelievable. It was really unbelievable. So I opened my eyes. The entire king's chamber full with people sitting. You don't hear a noise. Everybody joined the... I mean, nobody was talking. Everybody was like chanting. It was unbelievable. That's so and cool. um, some people were crying. People were hugging each other. It was so emotional. And after that, even the, the security guard, he like, uh, he came, he shook our hand and he thanked us. He said in all these years, he never saw this, that people were really quiet, you know, and only meditating and, and listening to the sound of the of the pyramid let's say wow um that was really intense and then of course um when you come out there i mean at least me i had this experience a lot and my wife also after this um after this chanting session you come out and you feel different you feel completely different uh also almost like you can describe it as a hangover, but in a positive way. You feel so good. You feel so energized. Even the skin, many people report that the skin feels super soft after this kind of sessions. And I can totally confirm that. I don't know what exactly causes this, but I experienced this uh, many times already. I went, I think, five times I did this kind of chanting sessions inside the Great Pyramid. And always the same effect, like the skin gets soft, the eyes get more clear for some reason. I go back to the hotel room, I kind of like look in the mirror, it's like, 
what's wrong? Something is different. You, you just feel different <laughs> somehow. Fresh, good, yeah. and different. It's a very strange feeling. I wonder and, if it has so, yeah. anything to do with, and I don't know much about this, but it's a term I've heard and I, I plan to look more into it. Maybe you've heard of it, but it's called prime resonance. Have you ever heard this term? No. So supposedly the prime resonance frequency is like this uh, frequency, the specific frequency that is like in tune with our bodies. It's like the same frequency as our bodies. And supposedly the pyramids, or at least the I think the Great Pyramid is designed to sort of resonate with that uh, same frequency. So perhaps if you're able to tune into that frequency using chanting or humming right and meditating within that frequency maybe that is like a, a natural like sound healing right where it sort of just makes your whole you just feel refreshed right uh, that's just a brief theory i have based on trying to put pieces together from other people but maybe you could look into it more if it's something that fascinates you I totally agree with that. I mean, I didn't know the term prime resonance, but I totally agree with that. That's that's the effect it has on me, like absolutely. Right. And, um, you know, there are other very popular theories that the entire pyramid resonates also with the natural frequency of that our planet emits. I'm not mm -hmm. sure how many hertz this is. I think it's this 420 hertz, if I'm not wrong. But okay. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you chant and you can feel it. Like once you hit the right tone, everything starts vibrating. Everything starts vibrating in that room. So absolutely, it's it's in tune with our body. And I, um, when I got back, I actually experimented. Uh, I tried to find out what frequency is that. So I tried to replicate this this very low humming sound. And I measured it, and it's around 100 hertz where this strong vibration is happening inside the king's chamber. Okay. It's around 100 hertz. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's this effect, you know, like, for example, if you take two tuning forks that are exactly uh, tuned to the same frequency and you, boom, you hit one fork and then you, hit, you take the other fork next to it, it will also start vibrating. Right. But that only works if they are exactly tuned to the same frequency. If you have two tuning forks that are only one or two hertz different, this effect will not happen. Only one side will vibrate and the other one not. So, yeah. And then, of course, uh, if, if you know about the piezoelectric effect, I mean, you know that by sound you can make this place vibrate then technically it creates also electricity because the quartz in it is vibrating. Right. So, and then we can already talk about this power plant uh, theory. I think, in my opinion, the Great Pyramid serves more than one purpose. It has many purposes. I think it's, it can do something to your body. It can do something to your soul. Maybe it can create electricity or energy but i'm not an expert on that there are other people who know much more about that um i think it definitely has many purposes and many functions now so one of those functions i mean so it seems like it can be used for healing just based on your experience right it seems like that was a very 
a healthy experience you had and uh, a unifying experience. Seems like it brought a bunch of people together from different cultures and religions, probably. And uh, you guys were all in unison, sort of having this what seems like beautiful experience. Uh, it does also sound like there has been sort of secret groups that have been going into the pyramids, you know, at certain times of the years from dusk till dawn, you know, chanting and doing things uh, within it. And they seem to be like secret society types. I think some of the, you had a conversation. What, what was your friend's name that you had a conversation with about this? Uh, his name is Borai, Borai Awiyan. Yeah. So if um, anyone wants to hear more about this, check out Chris's channel and he has a whole video about this, but uh, we'll get into it a little bit. But he kind of grew up with his father doing these tours. Right. And he would see them. They would like get there at like dusk and circle the pyramids and then they would go in. He wasn't allowed to go in with them, but sounds like he might have maybe heard chanting and they had like uh, special garments and like emblems on their on their clothing. Um do you think that these, uh, like the Illuminati, I think he specifically mentioned, he, he thought perhaps it was like the Illuminati. Do you think that there are these secret societies that are going in and doing these sort of rituals? Um, and do you think that they're just trying to, you know, have the same experience that you had? Or do you think there's something more to it? Um, I mean, do I think that there are secret societies going there or worshipping the pyramids? Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, yes. Um, I mean, you only have to look. Almost every secret society somehow uses symbolism from ancient Egypt. Right. Like, if you look at the Illuminati, I mean, we all know this famous sign that they always do, uh, the pyramid, the all-seeing eye, um, the Templars, the Templars, the Rosicrucians, yeah? if, if, you, if you remember the Templars cross, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's nothing more, nothing less than an unfolded pyramid. Yeah? If right. you take the pyramid and you look for, at it from above, yes. what they did is um, they just, I mean, you cut the pyramid and you fold it down, then you have a Templars cross. Right. That was just their way to print the pyramid uh, on a on a 2D on their on their uniform you know um, i think almost every uh, secret society uses this uh, oriental or egyptian symbolism and they do worship it until today now um, what my friend borai reported and many many local people reported that it's it's uh, it's widely known there in giza there are people who have the money to to go in there alone to spend nights there uh, sometimes you see um, big like black SUVs at night coming in you know there is this uh, main entrance to the Giza plateau that everyone uses and there is another entrance on the other side of the plateau on the side where this Mina House Hotel is. The Mina House Hotel is by far the best hotel in this area. And they have, they have their own entrance to the pyramid. Normally it's always closed. There is always sec uh, security police there. But uh, people are going in there. Like if you have enough money, you can go in there with a private uh, car escort. 
And yeah, they're, they're, it seems like they're performing rituals there. There's definitely movement going on at night there. And my friend, he reported that since he was a child, uh, he saw that happening. People going in there with special ropes, with hood and with a special sign here. If you're interested, you can check out that video. Soon we will release also a very long conversation about that. And they went in there. He said he witnessed or he knows that they went in but they didn't go into the king's chamber. They went down into the subterranean chamber. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And um, he also mentioned yeah, that perhaps uh, like it, the pyramid holds secret knowledge and perhaps the ability to control the elements. Do you think perhaps the some of these groups are going there to try and find that secret knowledge and try to harness the the elements? Um, yeah, I mean, there is a lot of secret knowledge in the pyramids. I mean, there are some people who, who are, I mean, everybody has his own topic. You know, as I said, the pyramid, it has many functions. It holds many secrets. Um, there are also a lot of secrets encoded in the pyramid only by the, by the sizes of it. Right. You know, the, the, the measurements of it, um, like the most commonly known is the, for example, if you take the, maybe um, don't quote me on that, but I, I think if you take the, the length of the footprint and multiply it by 143,000 or 134,000, you get the distance to the sun or the speed of light and there is one, uh, or there are some people who even manage to uh, to unveil much more secrets. Like the king's chamber is full of secrets. Like the the sizes they use, the amount of stone, the dimensions. Uh, it all has a deeper meaning. Everything has a deeper meaning. I believe nothing has been chosen uh, coincidentally in, in in the pyramid. Everything has a deeper meaning. You find the golden ratio everywhere in the pyramid. Um, you know, the number phi, um, there is a lot of secrets encoded in the pyramid, a lot. Um, some people say it's aligned with the stars, with certain stars, with the Orion. And I do believe that there are people, maybe secret societies, who manage to get deeper into that knowledge and they know more than we do. Definitely. Right. Absolutely. Now, what they you, do with that information, I don't know. Were you able to get to this area that they uh, supposedly went to that was like down below? Or is that area sort of normally not, you're not allowed to go down there? It, it's not open for public, um, but it's possible to go there. And I'm planning to go there very soon. And, okay, uh, cool. But m many YouTubers went there, actually. You can find okay. videos about it. Okay, um, cool. Actually, this is something like um, almost every pyramid has something underneath, um, especially the ones at Giza or around Giza and Dashur, Saqqara. Um, to me, it almost looks like um, like the real show is happening under the pyramids. You know, to me, it almost right. looks like it's like a glacier. You only see the little bit at top, but there's a whole exactly part of it below. There are, yeah. There are very deep tunnels, caves, shafts, like there is a whole underworld under the pyramids. And it seems to me like 
either these underground structures work together with the pyramid somehow, or the Egyptians found these underground structures because to me it seems like these underground structures are sometimes much older than the pyramids itself. Hmm. So I'm not really sure if it's like one thing or if they really found the underground structure and then decided the, to build the pyramid on top. Right. Um, I know okay. from, from my friend Borai Aoyan that not only that there is a subterranean chamber under the pyramid, but in the subterranean chamber there is a shaft. And right now it's closed. Nobody knows well, or we don't see what's under this shaft. It has been closed with concrete or with wood or something. But I know for sure, and soon we will release information about it, that this shaft goes very, very deep into the earth. And from there, there are going tunnels left, right into all directions. There are actually rumors that this tunnel network under the Great Pyramid, that it extends until Fayum. Um, and I think we have solid information that we will release soon about it. There are ancient maps that have been kept secret for a long time, but it seems like it's time to reveal this information very soon. Now, what was that word that you said? I'm not familiar. It, sound, it sounds like they connect to where? Uh, Fayum. Fayum is an is a oasis um, south of Giza. Um, I okay. think it's like around 60, 70 kilometers, if I'm not wrong. Don't quote me on that. We have to look okay. it up again. But it's, it's far. It's far. For, for an underground tunnel, it's really far. Interesting. And Yeah. And it seems like there are also tunnels going under the Nile River. Um, wow. So I think really there is a lot of secrets waiting to be uncovered under the pyramids. Well, so since we're talking about this sort of underground terrain, do you want to talk about uh, the sort of underground city that you recently found or, or oh, yes. explored? Yes, yes. That's actually also one of my favorite topics. Um, two years ago, we did a trip to Turkey, to Cappadocia. And in this region, it's a very interesting region, um, you find like um, strange rock formations uh, from, from, uh, from volcanic activity where people have carved thousands or maybe Ten thousands of caves have been carved overground, but then you have also these what they call underground cities. What we can see here, uh, we have uh, some interesting videos on that. Here you can see Derinkuyu underground city. Um, it's basically, it looks like a termite uh, mount almost. So it's really like an entire city carved into the rock. Um, around 8 to 12 levels underground. Wow. And it's really huge. Like um, the biggest one or one of the biggest is Derinkuyu, the most famous. Um, people believe that it was able to house between 70 and 100,000 people. There you can see the ventilation shafts, which are overground. That's the only indication when you are approaching it. That's the only clue you get that there is something underneath those are the ventilation shafts you just think it's a trash can 
Yeah. It looks like and they death. go really deep down. They go like, uh, I don't know how deep. I don't want to quote the official narrative because I know that there is more down there than what they're telling us. Right. Um, they go really, really deep. And there you can see like a, a cross-section oh, wow. of this underground city. And that is only a small part. That is not everything. So no one knows how they made this, why they make this, when did they do it, which culture made it. There is no clues. Um, there is also no inscriptions, paintings or hieroglyphs on the wall. As you can see, they are just, they carved it out, but there is no decoration uh, inside that could give us a clue who made this or why. Um, was, same like in there... the pyramids, by the way. Yeah, that's true. What is there any sort of lore that you heard from just people like in the community or have you heard any like rumors? Yeah, or... absolutely. Okay. I mean, first of all, this place uh, until today, it hasn't been excavated completely. And in my opinion, there is also a lot of cover up going on there. I mean, first of all, you see the image what we just saw. There are a lot of tunnels and entrances that have just been closed with masonry or with metal grills. Most of it is not accessible. And right. when you go to the deeper levels, when you go really deep down, you would expect that at some point, when you go down, you will hit the hard rock at some point, like where the end, let's say, uh, where they stopped carving. But that's not the case. Like if you go down to the deepest levels, you will either find sand, which means it's not fully excavated, or you find this kind of uh, modern day masonry. I mean, modern day can mean also hundreds of years ago, or you find metal grids. So in other words, um, there is still more down there. That is for sure. And in this region, you can find around 150 underground cities. And that's only the ones that we know. So it seems like there is an entire underworld in this part uh, of, of Turkey. And uh, two of the biggest underground cities are Derinkuyu and the second biggest is Kaimakli. And they're about uh, 10 or 12 kilometers away from each other. And I know for sure 100% sure I know that there is a connection tunnel between Kaimakli and Derinkuyu and also to other underground cities. So wow. imagine you have like an underground tunnel 10, 12 kilometers long and which is like 50 meters underground. It's really mind blowing. And what's also interesting is that um, according to the locals, I spoke to some old people there and they say that it's kind of like a folklore legend, but they say that there are small beings living down there or were living down there that have red eyes. In mm. fact, I actually spoke to one very old lady and she said when she was, um, when she was young, um, her grandmother told her that she was once playing down there with, with some friends and they saw one of these beings 
like a small, they say it looked like a small human with a rope, with a hood and uh, red eyes. Oh my eyes. gosh, I'm getting shivers yeah. right now because I've I've seen something like that uh, in a vision. So that's... Really? That's mm. very... It, 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 I wasn't thinking much of it until you said it had a hood. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah so the, the creature I saw in my vision, it looked... It almost looked like its face was made of like amethyst. It looked like like a crystal being, but it had these bright red eyes and, and it had a hood on. So you could really just see its eyes and like a little bit of the the face. Um, that's super interesting. That's what she reported. Yeah. And what's wow. also interesting, these underground cities, it seems like to me, it seems like they're made by small people because all the connecting tunnels, you know, these cities, they're always like you have rooms, big rooms, actually, and they're connected with tunnels. And all these tunnels are super small. And the more you go down, the smaller the tunnels will get. Some of them you really have to crouch like this and, and walk through it like this. And if you imagine, like, this is solid rock, you know, so they were there in a crouch position, chiseling out the tunnel, like, Right. It doesn't make much sense to me. Like to me, it looks it's made by small people, maybe. And what's also interesting is, you know, every country has its uh, UFO stories or alien stories, you know. Mm-hmm. And in Turkey, Turkey is a huge country, and in Turkey, most of the UFO stories are coming from this this region, like this region where the underground cities are. Wow. Was there any sort of uh, specific energy that you kind of felt when you were down there? Like the pyramids and stuff, it seems like the Temple of Hathor, they all sort of had their own energy. Did you feel anything when you were down here or was it just kind of crazy being underground? I mean, me, I always feel something when I'm in massive stone structures, first of Mm -hmm. all. But this place, there was one moment... Um, when all the tourists left, I think we were the only ones there, me, my wife and my son. And I found one, you know, there are countless tunnels, entrances, doors. And I found one in a little bit, some areas, they don't have light. So nobody goes there. You know, the tourist, there is like a tourist path. You have like arrows pointing where to go and there is light. But there are some areas that are completely dark. And I had my flashlight with me, so I went to the dark areas also. And I found one tunnel that had a metal grill, but the metal grill fell off. So I decided to go in there. I think it's somewhere there in that video. So if somebody's interested, watch the full video, you will find it. Um, So I went down that tunnel. It was in one of the lower levels. I entered this tunnel. It goes really, really deep down, completely dark. And suddenly I'm standing in a really big hall, like a very big room, the biggest room I've seen in Berinkuyo underground city, but it was not open for tourists, completely pitch black dark. And in that room, there were some, it looked like it's a very uh, important room. It was, there were some stairs leading up to something like an altar. And then from that room, there were more tunnels going down. And there I felt really, really scared. Like this is one of the rooms also that you're showing now that is also dark, but it's not the one I'm talking about. There you can see the small tunnel. 
It's very strange. So in that big hall, I felt like a very, very scaring energy. But of course, it was dark. I'm all alone there. I know I'm not supposed to be there. Like, it's really hard to say if it's just me being scared right, right. or I if mean, it's, it's really a, like, a, you know. Yeah, it's a scary situation but, in general. Absolutely. So I decided I'm not going to go further. I went back. But my wife, she's also very sensitive to these things. And at some point she felt like she doesn't feel good down there in this underground city. So she decided to go up with my son. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an absolutely strange place. And only well, a few years ago, they found uh, another underground city, which is even bigger than Derinkuyu. They're currently excavating it. Okay. And it seems like they're all connected. There you can see the ventilation shaft, how deep it is. Wow. The ventilation shaft probably goes to the lowest level. What's also a big mystery, this ventilation shaft, I mean, first of all, the, the total ventilation system is perfect. Like if you go to the lowest level, the air is so fresh, you cannot imagine. So wow. they use the ventilation shaft for air supply and also for water supply. Down there is water. Actually, until today, in some of the villages where you have the underground cities, the locals, they use these ventilation shafts as a water source. And what is strange is they have a ventilation system, they have a water supply system, but they don't have a wastewater management. I mean, mm. you, cannot, um, you cannot shit into the same hole where you take your drinking water from. So that's also right. a big mystery. Uh, what did they do with the waste, you know? Yeah, very and, interesting. Well, I guess maybe maybe that's why they sealed off some of the areas. It was all the <laughs> sewage left over. I don't know. I mean, who knows, right? But it did seem like as you're going through this uh, video, there's like you said, there's a lot of areas that are closed off and clearly covered up. So there's probably yeah. that's it's probably back there somewhere. I would imagine their their sewage yeah. system. And then you um, have other areas like this one, which I mean, we know that the underground cities have been used by several cultures in the past. Right. Uh, we know that they have been used by the Christians uh, who were in Turkey. Um, there are some rooms which seems like they used it as a church and they refurbished them with masonry, with stones. But the Christians definitely did not build that. I mean, that's for sure. Um, what's also interesting like the question why did they do it you know like the common explanation is that people were hiding from enemies uh, when there was war times uh, people were hiding from enemies but i think i don't agree with that because hiding underground is not a very good place when you have enemies invading yeah. your territory especially not if you yourself. have ventilation shafts exactly so it would be very easy. They should just wait until they starve or they can throw fire down there or a smoke bomb or whatsoever. Or just flood them. Um, yeah. For me, the, the explanation I like is maybe these ancient people, maybe they saw something in the sky that scared them. Imagine like a star that's getting bigger, that something is approaching the earth. So some kind of threat but a threat that gave them time, you know, like maybe they saw this kind of whatever it was approaching 
for many years and they said, okay, we have now 50 years time, let's dig an underground city. I, I, that's the most um, sensible explanation I heard, actually. Is there any sort of uh, dates that they give for like potentially when these were carved out? Um, yes, but based only uh, on like what cultures. I mean, for example, they know that the, the Hittites were there. So mm. they, they just they just looked, okay, what is the oldest known civilization we had in that area? So it must be them. Are those mushrooms? But yes, those are mushrooms, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah some kind of cave mushrooms. I'm That's not sure what, the, what species that is. Yeah. So in my opinion, the dating is not really reliable right, because we don't yeah. we don't really have any hard clues you know there is no written history about it there is nothing that can be really carbon dated of course they found stuff there because it has been used by many in, by many cultures even today and some of the villages where they have small under, that is the gate i'm talking about that is the mm, one okay that is very and interesting and so when you went down here, it, it sounded like you said you saw what looked like a potentially like an altar. And is that kind of when you started getting the negative feeling? Well, it wasn't an altar, but you will see it now. Like there is some stairs going up. It seems like stairs leading to something very important. And again, this is the biggest room that I've seen in the underground city. It's not fully excavated. You will see now that there is sand down there, which is also an important question. How did the sand get there? Yeah, that's very weird. Um, there you can see on the left side are these stairs leading up yeah. to something important. And there you have also a wall and then more, more tunnels. And again, no, it's pitch black dark there. Was this when you started kind of feeling the negative vibe more? Uh, yes. Because I'm, su yes. I'm surprised you didn't go up the stairs, to be honest. Because <laughs> it, it seems so like you're just scary, going through man. it. But if you just like felt something there, you know, that's why when you said maybe it was like an altar or something, I was like, well, maybe they were doing some sacrifices or something, you know, that put some negative energy there. Who knows? But that is. I felt really scared there. Because I was alone and my wife was like, no, don't go there. It feels not good. Don't go there. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to be back soon there and I'm planning to uh, explore some areas that we haven't seen yet. I mean, who knows um, how old these are? You know, even in the Bible, it talks about there's a lot of very specific verbiage where uh, like, you know, God's talking to Satan and he's asking, where have you been? And he says, to and fro in and on the earth and it's very specific the wordage used there and it's like so and that's just one verse there's many verses where it's talking about in and on the earth so it does seem like there's always sort of been you know entities or humans or whatever but creatures of some kind living in the earth it seems like for whatever reason so. who knows why but we have had lots of, you know, cataclysms and things. So if you were trying to avoid a potential and these ancient societies were so um, 
they paid attention very closely to the stars, right? And so they might have had some better inclining of like, okay, in a hundred years we're gonna have a terrible, you know, event from the sky, and so we better prepare. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if there was something along those lines of why they built them. But super fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and um, in every ancient culture, especially the oldest ones, they all have stories about the underworld, uh, right. creatures from the underground. Um, you find it everywhere. India, yeah. Mayan, Egyptian, everywhere. Like, it's it's full of it. The Bible... I think even in the Quran there are some some stories about the underworld. Yeah. Do you think there are still societies perhaps that are underground? Because it seems like we're exploring a lot of the underground cities now. I almost wonder if they've sort of all personally like moved to the top now. Personally, I think yes, but that's just a feeling, you know. Okay. I think yes. Um, there are also a lot of proof that in ancient times um, there were forces that were trying to close this kind of places. Right. Not only there in Turkey, but also in other places of the world. Even here in Germany, there are actually um, underground tunnel systems um, that look very similar to the ones that we just saw in Turkey. And um, we know for sure that the church, I mean, there are some documents. I have also a video about it. In one case, we have documents from the church from around early 1500, uh, where some bishop or, or some important person from the church writes a letter uh, to some other uh, province or something, ordering them to flood these underground tunnels, that there is something evil down there, and they have to flood it with sand. They, they even changed some small rivers so that they can flood these underground tunnels with, with sand and to close them permanently. And I think that is also the reason why we see this huge amount of sand in the underground cities of Turkey. I mean, the yeah. sand has to come from somewhere, you know, and it's definitely not uh, powderized rock. This is sand right. from, from up. So this could have several meanings. It could be maybe there was a great flood, you know. Yeah, that's where my um, mind first went, you know, the great deluge, and that could definitely have flooded it with sand and things. But then that is, that is very interesting. You're, you're bringing up that was, this was in Germany where they were intentionally flooding them because they thought there was something evil down there? Yes. And we have wow. actually written, written uh, there is physical evidence for that. That is yeah. super fascinating. Yeah. And not only that, we know also that um, all over the world, actually, when you see old castles um, made by the kings or by the old elites, in many cases, these castles have been built on top of underground structures. I mean, here in Germany, we have countless examples in Austria. In fact, this, um, the recently discovered underground city in Turkey, it's in the city of Nefşe here, which is the capital of the province where you find these underground cities. 
And on this city, there is a hill. And on top of that hill, there is a very, very old castle. Very old. It's a, it's a tourist attraction. And they found an entrance to this huge underground city directly under the castle. So it seems like, uh, same like today, the ruling class and the elites, they are doing this for a long time to put metal gates or to put walls or to build structures on it. Um, I almost, it's really it makes, strange. It makes me wonder, like, first, there's a couple of scenarios that are running through my head. Perhaps there were these, this society who realized there were these entities underground and they wanted to protect against them. And so they created these fortresses on their sort of entrances, right, uh, to these underground cities so that they could sort of protect against them. Or it's like the other way where they came from underneath the earth and started establishing these as like the, the checkpoint, you know, so they could manage who was getting in and out or something like that. Um, but that is a very yeah. fascinating connection. Uh, there's some more research that needs to be done. I'm, I'm intrigued because we have so many mythologies that talk about like, you know, like the, the great beast coming out of the pit, you know, like coming out of earth, right. Essentially. So, uh, we have that. And then you have the actual German government saying there's something evil down there. That's very, very interesting. Or in India, we have the, the Nagas, you know, these, um, Snake right. beings that can shape shift in India. I mean, in India, ask anyone, they all know uh, or they believe they know that there were some kind of uh, snake beings that can shape shift into human shape living underground. In fact, um, there is even uh, one national park in uh, somewhere in central India. When you ask the rangers there, they tell you that these Nagas, they still live somewhere in this national park that has a lot of caves. And they say that these beings, sometimes they come up from underground to, to sunbath somewhere on the rocks there. Hmm, uh, some people even claim that they see them in recent times. So I don't know. Um, so there's this place in India called, let me pull it up here. I believe it's called the ancient Padmanabhasawami Temple. It's a very long name. Let me pull it up here. But it's supposedly this like ancient door, and it's got this depiction of like these very evil-looking serpentine entities. And supposedly it's sealed, and it's not supposed to be open because it will release something very evil into the world. Yeah, I think I know which one you mean. It's in Kerala somewhere. It's in the state of Kerala. There is this door with these two intertwining Nagas. Have you ever been to India? I've been to India, but uh, I've been many times to India, but before my YouTube times. Okay. So, um, but yeah, India is also very interesting mysterious country like there is so much to discover there actually one we were we were planning this year to do an extensive india trip oh cool i hope you guys do that yeah, would actually, be super awesome about this place there is a big lawsuit actually going on um oh, okay because because um some people they want to open the door 
um, because they already found like a huge amount of gold under this temple, like right. a crazy amount. I think, I think it's, yeah. I think it's even the biggest amount of of uh, gold or ancient treasure that has been found ever. I think. I think you're right. And and they they believe that there is more there, and there is this door. And there is a big lawsuit because there are forces who want to open that door to get the gold. And there are other forces like the spiritual side, let's say, who are saying we cannot do that. Uh, it will bring evil to the world or something. Exactly. Yeah, look at this door, bro. And That's creepy. You got like all these, you got all these little people. There's like people that are sort of wrapped around by this, these serpents. And imagine, it even has the the fleur de lis. It has even. This now, is also what it, you can, find it everywhere. What is that? Can you do you know much about that? Um, I don't know too much about it, but I think uh, it's it's a lotus flower. I think, oh. and you find that everywhere. It's a very important symbol, also in. Um, Egypt. Uh, for example, the Templars, Egypt used okay. the lotus flower, but also the Templars, uh, they use it a lot. That's why you see it a lot in European churches all over Europe. Um, huh. Even when you, I noticed also when you, especially here in Germany and all over Europe, when you see like really big palaces, like old castles, palaces, they're also full with this symbol. You also kind of have also the snake symbolism, crazy! Wow. You also kind of have the checkerboard uh, here. They're shaped more like diamonds, but it looks like you have that like classic black and white pattern that sort of like the Freemasons are known for that, which I just find a yeah, it's a fascinating. There's lots of fascinating icons and patterns in this door. I would love to do wow, a deep dive on this. But yeah, man, I. <laughs> <laughs> who knows what's behind that but perhaps that that is releasing the beast from the pit because <laughs> that's definitely what this door the energy it gives out right and dragons are sort of known for like protecting the treasure or the gold right in in mythology i i heard also that you know there are several rooms down there some of them have been opened and they're also i heard that there are strange things happened like similar to this uh tutankhamun story like people mm. people got sick after opening it i think there was even one room where like a bunch of snakes came out or something like that um yeah it wouldn't it's be a surprised very, <laughs> yeah Anyway, yeah, I hope they don't open it. I don't know. I want to know what's inside, but I think it's better <laughs> not to open that door. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's an interesting time for sure. Um, well, yeah, so it seems like it seems like we're living in times where, I mean, first of all, there's growing interest in all these topics, but right. I really believe that we are living in times of. Um, uncovering the lies you know like mm -hmm. we're, li we're living in times that many things are coming to light um, much ancient knowledge is revealed to us i think it's a very interesting time to be alive actually yeah well doesn't the i think like the term even apocalypse doesn't that mean like unveiling or like 
essentially i could be wrong there but i believe that there's a lot of terms that are used for like the quote-unquote end of the world but it's really about an unveiling right and so i think that's kind of what we're seeing right now is like a end of a certain time period where we're starting to see a lot of these secrets unveiled and yeah yeah it feels like that it's gonna create for an interesting world it already is for sure um so this is great. We talked about the Temple of Hathor, the King's Chamber, the Illuminati rituals, the Temple Hangover, the underground cities. One more thing that I wanted to get into before we close out today is the the black goo that is seemingly popping yeah. up and we're starting to see uh, talked about in uh, a bunch of different uh, sort of areas of research, but particularly interesting finding this black goo substance in the pyramids. Do you have any uh, experience with that or knowledge on that matter? Yeah. Um, the black goo, I noticed it uh, in the Great Pyramid, in the Grand Gallery a little bit. Um, the best example is the Red Pyramid. And this one, what we are looking at, this is called the Satellite Pyramid, which is located next to the Bent Pyramid of Dashur. Uh, it's a small pyramid that is very rarely visited by tourists. And um, inside the main chamber, what they call burial chamber, in my opinion, nobody has ever been buried in there. But you right. find on the ceiling uh, these black stains. And there have been many, many theories about this in the past. Um, now I go a little bit back. We can uh, more back. Yeah, this is the roof, and you see along the edges these black stains. Um, in the red pyramid, this is also very heavy. Yeah, this is the red pyramid, and it's it's clear and it's clearly not like water, right? It's very it's obvious. coming out of the stone. It's coming out of the stone. Um, there was this theory that this is caused by the bats. That this is bat urine. Mm. But that can be dismissed because some researchers from the ESIDA project, a uh, very interesting association, by the way, ESIDA project, I-S-I-D-A. Uh, it's a group of researchers. They took samples in the Red Pyramid and they analyzed it in a laboratory. And it turns out that this black stuff is full of metals. Like it contains a lot of different metals. Like, first of all, it has iron. A lot of iron, but the limestone itself also contains iron. Um, but we don't really understand why. It seems like it's like squeezing out of the stone. We don't really understand why it does that. Probably because of pressure or of great heat, maybe. Um, but there are also other very exotic metals inside this black stuff, like antimonium, and uh, thorium, which is even uh, mildly radioactive uh, metal. Um, this could suggest that, that the pyramid was maybe used as some kind of machine or a chemical reaction chamber. Maybe they worked with different gases in there or they made chemical reaction. Um, I heard the theory that maybe they coated the room with this stuff to use it as a chemical uh, catalyzator or something. 
Um, I'm not really sure what is the meaning, but what we know is that it contains a lot of metal, this black stuff. And okay. we also find that sometimes inside the, the granite boxes, what they call sarcophagus, uh, it's sometimes also lined with this black stuff. Very mysterious. I don't know. Yeah, the whole idea of the pyramids being like a like a like a uh, some sort of chemical plant or something, right? It does kind of make sense because, like you said, there's not a lot of engravings or uh, inscriptions on the the pyramids. It seems like they're mostly perhaps used in some more utilitarian method right like it, it wasn't so much for like you said there's probably many uh, purposes it had but the fact that it is more you know cut and dry and there's not a lot of carvings on it that's I mean that's pretty much what we do with things like that right where we're just if it's just like a power plant or something it's not going to have like a bunch of ornate designs on it and things it's it has a purpose it's meant to create something so yeah perhaps it was generating this black goo or that's just a byproduct of something else that they were were doing there very interesting yeah, and also if you look at the, the inside of the pyramids most of the pyramids without the help of this kind of stairs that you see there or sometimes ladders uh, it, it would be impossible for humans to access it like impossible to navigate inside there right so perhaps they were just funneling like uh, water or some sort of material through it, because a lot of them like they I don't have so. light. They don't have lights either, right? No, they don't. Yeah. Or and there's not even like um, seemingly you know like marks if they had some like torches in there. You don't see any like scorch marks really, right? No, 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 nothing like that. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah, the black goo is interesting. I, I've it's never been something that's like really fascinated me to the point of researching it heavily, but it does seem to be coming up in like multiple circles of like research and interest. So it is something that I'm sort of paying attention to, and the fact that it's coming up in these ancient megalithic structures is interesting for sure have you mostly noticed them in egypt like have you seen this substance anywhere else in your travels no i think only in egypt okay ha have you have you ever heard about the place zabiet el arian in egypt no what's that super interesting man super interesting uh, try to pull that up it's a z a w y e t Zaviet uh, El Arian. Sorry, real quick. Is this on your channel? Do you have some stuff on it or just look it up in general? Uh, no, just just look it up in, in Google. It's super interesting. Zaviet El Arian. I just post it here. Um, it's a place um, that has been completely covered up by the Egyptian military, like completely. And it's like a pit a great pit and when you go into we google it and you click on images you will find some old photos from it very old photos and there was a very mysterious granite box down there like an oval shape almost like a bath yeah the image there on the right side yeah yeah okay so it's like a pit and down there was this strange oval shape granite coffer that looks very different from 
any other box that we've seen in Egypt. And the floor also is granite. There you can see the pit. Yeah. And if you take that on the left side there, yeah. Yeah. And it's down there. It has been also cut straight into the rock, goes down. And it was filled with huge stone blocks. Like when the early explorers went there, they found like that it seems like in ancient times they covered it up already a long time ago. And when they cleared that pit up, they found this strange oval-shaped box. Uh, they opened it and it was empty and it had only a black substance in the inner walls. Hmm. And since the f uh, 1960s, they built a military base around it. And today it has been completely filled up with sand. They even planted trees uh, above it and they put a big fence around it. There you can see it uh, below the picture with this, with this big captions. Yeah, a little bit down. Yeah, this one. That is how it looks today. They filled it up completely. It's inside the military base. Wow. They filled it up. They planted something on it and they put a wall around it. So huge cover up. And this was actually, in my opinion, one of the most mysterious uh, place in Egypt. They said it's an unfinished pyramid, but I don't believe so. There are actually many structures, not many, but I know two or three or maybe four places in Egypt that have been made in the exact same way. I mean, you don't find this granite box anymore down there, but it's the same kind of T-shaped pit. And down there, there are still traces of granite blocks. So I believe this is not an unfinished pyramid. It's something else. Have you ever encountered this sort of oval shape uh, esophagus or, or uh, whatever you're calling it? No, never. Yeah, that is super interesting. I have a video where I've been to the most similar place. It's called the Pyramid of Abu Rawash. I recently released it. Uh, it seems like it's connected to this Zawiyat El Aryan. Okay, interesting. Do you yeah. have do you have any theories on so it seems like this black you said this black goo was found in the oval chamber or in the oval Yeah. Okay. And it seems like the the ancient people they tried to protect this box with a huge effort. They put down there they put like they piled up blocks of granite first a layer of huge granite blocks and then many layers of very big limestone blocks. And it has been cleared up uh, in, the, I think, early 1900 by an Italian explorer. And, yeah, they opened it. It was empty. There was just this black stuff in there. Huh. Very interesting. Yeah, and even, like, it, it just does look like a lot of these structures had some sort of utility to them. Like, they were... Absolutely. They were making something, or they were healing, or they were... Who knows what they were doing? I know a lot of like uh, sci-fi shows and stuff. They show the esophagus is is like a uh, a way of like regenerating their bodies. You know, so who knows? Possible. I mean, you, have you ever heard about the emerald tablets of Thoth? Yes. Yes. 
it also speaks about um, like soul traveling, astral traveling from right. the pyramid. Said he travels from the king's chamber to the what he calls the hall of Amenti, which seems right. to be like a different dimension or something like that. So. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking, too, because, you know, when you, you even mentioned being in the king's chamber and, and having that sort of experience where things started vibrating, right? That is a similar um, description as to what people who take uh, a decent amount of psychedelics, they report the same thing, like things start like vibrating and it almost seems like they're like being shot through like a tunnel or like a you know, like a, a warp field or something or their consciousness is like traveling. So that does make a lot of sense. And I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to get that prime residence, you know, just dialed in enough where they were able to sort of come out of body and experience these other realms for better or for worse. To me, it felt absolutely like that. I mean, I, I've used DMT before and one of the first things when I first time lay down in this sarcophagus, one of the first thoughts that came to my mind, this is this is the same sensation, you know, right. like this yeah. ramping up when you feel like you be, you're about to be shot <laughs> somewhere through the, through the sky or something. Yeah. It's the same. To me, it's the same. Very yeah. cool. Well, I wonder what the black goo has to do with it. I need to do some more research on that. Thank you for bringing that up um hey you should check out uh, harald kautz harald kautz it's a german guy and he seems to be the expert on black goo okay. but he talks about black goo from other places of the world uh, he has a lot of interesting videos in english language also cool would you put that name in the chat for me um and then yeah, sure I'll, I'll definitely make sure to check that out well, this has been great, man. We're coming up on an hour and a half. We've covered a lot. Uh, was there anything in your travels that you've experienced? Any other cool stories or anything that we haven't covered yet that uh, you think would be worth mentioning or we can save it for next time ah. too? Ah, there is a lot of cool stories always happening, you know. But, I, bet, um, yeah. I think maybe we have another conversation very soon. Uh, okay, Maybe perfect. after my India trip. Yeah. Cool. Um, would you mind just telling the people a little bit about what uh, they can expect from you and your, first of all, where to find you? And then it sounds like you guys might be doing a little bit of a rebrand just uh, so people know if that happens, where they can find you. Yeah, sure. Our channel name is Chris and Esther Megalithic Wonders. And we will soon rebrand the entire channel. The new name will be Spirit in Stone. Uh, maybe Love you it. can also put a link down there yes i'll have all the links um, in the description for everybody to check out as well yeah we will continue what we're doing of course additionally to that we will launch also a podcast very soon where we will interview yeah similar to what you're doing interviewing people in our field and soon we will have a lot of videos coming up from our expedition to central sulawesi uh, what I mentioned in the beginning, these huge uh, granite stone statues that are scattered all over the forest there. And um, it's it's the same, you know, we don't know where they're from, who made them. Also made from granite with very high quartz content. Actually, I have here, I brought some of the stone from Indonesia with me. Oh, nice. Uh, 
it has also like a very high quartz content. You can actually see the crystals. Right. And they built this, um, the statues, they look similar to the ones in the Easter Islands. You know, they're just okay. standing there. Um, yeah, that will be very interesting. And we have a lot of more material from Egypt. You know, we, we did a lot of traveling recently. We collected a lot of material. So expect a lot of videos soon. Awesome. I'm super excited. And thanks again for doing all this research and these explorations and sharing them with us all. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. Please check out Chris's channel and support them. Show them some love so they can keep sharing all this great content with us. And we will see you all in the next one. Peace. Thank you for having me.